0: Welcome to Step Away from the Classroom, a podcast dedicated to every teacher who has ever thought about transitioning to a new career. I'm your host, Lindsay Woodard, a former classroom teacher of 20 years. My guests bring hope and inspiration to listeners by sharing their personal success stories of transitioning away from the classroom. You can find the transcript and show notes for this episode at stepawayfromtheclassroom.com. You can also join our Facebook community to connect with other current and former teachers leveraging their skills to redefine and reimagine their work lives. Today's interview features a former teacher who chose to step away from the classroom to become a school psychologist. Elena Dickinson is a former teacher, current school psychologist, and now blogger with insights on how to leave the classroom for good. Originally from Houston, Elena started her career in education as a bilingual second-grade teacher and worked in a Title I school for three years. She then worked in multiple school districts in the Houston area as a school psychologist employee and later on launched her own business using her professional skill set. She has now also created her own blog titled Elena Beatrice to share insights on child development, motherhood, and so much more hi Elena it's so great to have you here today thanks for joining the show hi Lindsay it's I'm so excited to be here thank you you're welcome okay so tell us how you became a teacher um, basically
1: I had gone to school um, I doubled majored in biology and psychology and I you know I finished in four years and was trying to figure out what to do. Um, I knew I had always, well, while I was in college, I had decided that I wanted to pursue school psychology get a master's in that. But um, unfortunately, I couldn't go straight from my bachelor's to the master's program because I needed to work. So um, my husband or boyfriend back then, he was my boyfriend, he suggested to me that I become a teacher. And he comes from a family of teachers. His dad and his mom are both teachers. And so, you know, at first I was, hesitant. I didn't really want to do it. And I was like, well, I don't know. I never really want to be a teacher. And he said, well, don't you want to work with teachers? And I said, yeah, I do want to work with them and I want to work with students. And he said, I think this would be a great opportunity for you to learn and actually know what it's like to be a teacher and it could give you some skill set. And I'm so glad I did. So basically I graduated a long time ago. And I um, did the, um, I think it's called the emergency certification. It's the accelerated um, certification that you do over the summer. And oh, I got hired um, like the week before school started into a second grade position. Oh my goodness. So, <laughs> yes. And so I had to do my observation hours, everything during my first year, plus learn, you know, behavior management and all of that <laughs> during my oh, first year. It's been so hard. Yes, it was
0: very, very hard. So even after that first year, you thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to stick with this? Well, um, it was, I, I think when, um,
1: I, I think people outside of education think it's a lot easier than what it really is. And so, um, you know, in my head, I thought, okay, I will, you know, what, you know, I'll form my, you know, relationship with my students, I'm going to teach them math and reading, we're going to have a fun time. And while it was a fun time, the paperwork behind it was what really, really surprised me. And also just the variety of learners that I had, and I had about 22 students in my classroom. And it was just kind of shocking the amount of work and expectations that were placed on me. As a first year teacher um, at the school, I was, thank goodness, there was other first year teachers there too. And so we kind of banded it together and had that support. And on top of it, I had the best, absolute best principal that I could ever, I mean, it was, she was a blessing from God, honestly. And she paired me up with a teacher that was my mentor. So a veteran teacher. Um, but after that first year, I didn't think I was going to go back. I was like, this is too hard. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it was just insane the amount. I mean, I was working nights and weekends. And then on top of it, Lindsay, I had um, another job. So before I had graduated, I had a um, I had taken a job at a research um, study program that was at a local university and um, I had kept it as a part-time job. So on top of my first year teaching job, I was also working at night so after work, after my teaching job, I would Um, drive to various homes and interview families for this research study. And so I did that at nights and on the weekends to supplement income because at the time I was helping my family, uh, my mom and my dad and my sisters. I have very younger sisters. So uh, basically it was just a lot um, on my plate. And I just thought, what else can I do? Like, this is too much. And um, you know, I wanted to apply to grad school. And so, yeah, that for after that first year, it, it seemed like I, you know, I just didn't think I could do it, <laughs> but I got a lot of encouragement from my husband and, um, I, um, actually, um, got into the, um, I, no, I got into the grad program the third year. Yeah. The third year I was teaching, but after okay. that first year I was really struggling, Lindsay.
0: Yeah. And my story is the same. Like I was having to work a second job just to supplement my income that first year teaching because it was so low. Yeah. That first year is so rough. Okay. So after three years, I think you said you went to grad school. So were you thinking you still wanted to stay in education? You just wanted a position that was not a classroom teacher
1: Yes. So when I was in college, I found out I did an internship uh, being a mentor. Um, Since I was a science major, um, I got to participate um, in this study from Rice University. It's in Houston. And basically what they did was they had... um, Um, students in college that had a science or engineering major to come into inner city schools and pretty much be like a mentor. And during that experience, it was a whole school year. So I got to work in schools for 10 hours a week while I was in college. And during that year, I saw the mental health struggles of students in the middle school. And that's where I learned about school psychologists, like what they did. And so I asked my um, supervisor at the time, like, what can I do? These students need help. The teacher can't do everything. The teacher's expected to help you know this student that has depression, but like you know she this is this is above her like you know this is above what she can do, and right. so the supervisor was the one that told me, well, we do have school psychologists. Um, You know, on the campuses, and all you have to do is request, and you know, ask here, and you know, they'll they'll be able to have a meeting for her, and you know. So basically, that's where I found out about school psychologists because in my in my education, I never even heard of them. You know, when I was in middle or high school, I never heard of them. So Mm -hmm. basically, back to my teaching, I knew that I was going to go back to school for that. That was my goal. And basically, the second, I think the first or second year I was teaching, I applied but I didn't get in. So then I applied again the following year and I got in and that's when I was teaching. It was my third year of teaching. I was starting my third year of teaching and I started my first year in grad school. So that, that last year that I was teaching, I was in school full-time for grad school. So I would teach. And by that point, by the, by the time you're, you know, I was in second, you know, I was still teaching second grade. By that time, I already kind of knew like, the objectives, the lesson plans. You know, I kind of already had the experience of classroom management, all of that stuff. And so when I started grad school, I pretty much taught and then I would go straight from that school all the way to the University of Clear Lake, which was almost an hour away and (laughs) take classes and do the labs. And, you know, it was like three times a week and um, stay up. And we were in class till 10 o'clock at night. Those classes are all in the evening. And, you know, we would um, do assessments on clients that would come into our university um, clinic and we would test them. We would talk to the parents. So pretty much I was training. And while I was in grad school that that first year, it taught me so much of how to handle some of my difficult students. And that was the best year I had as a teacher because of all the skills and all of the things I learned while I was in grad school.
0: Wow, that's fascinating. So how long was that grad program? The grad the grad
1: program was three years. So it's basically the, your first year, you're taking a whole bunch of, you know, just classes. The second year, you take some classes, but you do your practicum. So you're going into different settings um, to observe, uh, maybe g- give some kind of assessments here and there, but basically you're just observing and participating maybe in some IEP meetings, stuff like that. And then the third year is your internship year. So you are no longer taking classes the third year. And at that time, this is more than 10 years ago now, which is, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so old now. (laughs) (laughs) But, But 10 years ago when I did my internship, I got paid for it. So since um, I leveraged my teaching experience to get a teacher's salary while oh, I did my okay. internship. Nice. So, um,
0: so, yeah, that really helped out. And so when you finished those three years, were you also finishing with, like, your credential or your license, whatever they call it, in Texas to then start applying for jobs in school districts?
1: Yes. So pretty much um, you take um, – I'm trying to think. I think it's either one or two exams. And you can take them either your last year in your internship year, or you can take them the following year after you graduate. Um, but I went ahead and did everything during my internship year. So then I was licensed by the time I started working or started working as a school psychologist. And in Texas, they're called
0: LSSPs, Licensed Specialists in School Psychology. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. And so tell us what that first position was like. As a school psychologist, yes.
1: Um, so it was to me. I really loved it. You know, I was going out to interview teachers. I was going to c- behavioral consultation meetings. Um, um, some of them, uh, I think, in some districts, they're called response to intervention meetings. So basically, a teacher maybe is having a problem with a student, either academically or behaviorally, and so we all meet to figure out like what kind of interventions. That can be provided for that student. Um, And sometimes the students are, you know, really severe or have had already had lots of interventions. And so um, sometimes they're just looking for: should we evaluate? Should this, you know, are we suspecting a disability? Um, And also my job is once we do have consent to assess students, that's when I would go in and observe the students, test the students, interview the parents, interview the student, and then we compile all of that information into a report and then decide, does this student have a disability? Do they have a need for special education?
0: Okay. And how long did you do that for? Um, with that position, you mean? Did you, well, did you have multiple... Positions? Did you work for different school districts over time? Oh, yes,
1: yes, yes. So, um, the yes. So, basically, I worked for one district three or four years. Okay. Then I then I worked for another district for six years, and then after that six year, I think I went down to part time because that's when I started having kids. Okay. And um, I had my first daughter in two thousand fifteen. And I worked part time after I had her, and then I went it was part time, then full time and and that was pretty unique because um, n- most of the school districts will not provide a part-time position for LSSP. Some do, um, but some won't. It just really depends on the district. But okay. because we're not like teachers, you know, a teacher has to be physically present in a classroom every single day and mm-hmm. she has students waiting on her. And with a school psychologist position, your, your position, you're going to multiple schools to do different things. And so you're able to do it p- on a part time basis. You know, they'll, they'll, maybe they'll give you less cases. Um, okay. And in my case, in that district, they were very flexible with school psychologists and I was very, you know, blessed by that. And then after I had my second daughter, me and my husband had already decided that I was going to stay at home. So I uh, had told my supervisor that after I would deliver that I would be um, you know, quitting my job. Mm-hmm. So then I stayed at home for a
0: whole year as a stay-at-home mom. Okay. And then what made you start thinking about like, doing this sort of work freelance, working for yourself?
1: Well, um, even though I had more flexibility and, you know, as, because when you're a classroom teacher, like I said, you are tied to that classroom. You have to do the grades. You have to do all this paperwork. And, you know, um, you know, I didn't have to do all that as a school psychologist, but because I'm bilingual, I was very much overloaded. I mean, Mm -hmm. there in Texas, you know, um, in the districts that I worked at, they were, bilingual students, you know, there was a bilingual population. And so there's not a lot of us in the school psychology field. So because there's not a lot of us, we get bombarded with so many um, students to evaluate. I hope that makes sense. Yes. And because of that, I was burning out. And so I, the first three years that I worked for that first school district, I did assessments. I was on the, um, it's called early childhood team. That's where the little two-year-olds come in because their parents are maybe suspecting some kind of disability. And so I was doing that. I was supporting three campuses. And, and one of those campuses was a high school. And I had um, a counseling load. And
0: <laughs> I mean, it just goes
1: on and on. I That yeah. district, I was so burnt out. And so I remember telling my husband like, I don't think I can do this anymore. Like maybe education, like working in the education field, isn't for me. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe it's me, maybe I'm not efficient, but no, Lindsay, it was, it was, it It was too much work. Yes. And so, um, I told him I'm going to move to this other district and see if it's better. If it's not, you know, I'm going to give it two years. And if it's not, I'm going to have to find a corporate job or something. He works for a corporate company. And so, um, so yeah, the other, the other district was more manageable. They, they were really more, um, you know, accommodating and, you know, very realistic of what we could do, you know, without killing us. Um, but, but it was still, um, a lot of, you know, it was still, a it's still a a bigger load because of the bilingual population. And so, um, that's another thing what I want to bring, and I'm kind of going on a side tangent, but on my blog is, um, I want people to know more about school psychology because we there is such a high demand for us and especially with this pandemic that's going on right now with mental health.
0: Yes. You know, it's
1: it's it's affecting everyone, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I really want people out there to know that we need, we need more school psychologists in our schools. We need people to go to school to become school psychologists. And it is a very rewarding, um, career. And it's a lot more, like I said, more, more flexible than being in the classroom. And you'd still get the same benefits. You still have, you know, summer's off. You can still be with your kids, which, um, I enjoy now that my, my daughter is in school and, um, but yeah, sorry, I'm going on a tangent now. But <laughs> well,
0: actually that yeah. makes me think of a, a question for you. If somebody were to go to graduate school to pursue school psychology, do will they need to take any sort of preliminary courses if they weren't like a psychology major during their undergrad years? How does that work?
1: So I think it depends on the program um, at each university. Um, For my program, it was um, NASP NASP approved, which is the National Association of School Psychology. That's like the big organization that we're under. And so um, it had all the courses, you know, and and I actually had to take two classes before I applied because I didn't take them in my undergraduate year.
0: Okay. So, so it is a possibility. You'll have yes, to do it that. Yes, it is a
1: possibility. So I um, I remember before I applied, I just, because I was a teacher, I had summers off. I just took those two summer classes during the summer. And so okay. at the time I didn't have kids, so I just did it. And I just, all my psychology classes, I got A's and it was something that I really, really enjoyed doing in college and my biology classes, I struggled. (laughs) And so I knew that psychology was my passion. It was something that I loved. I love learning. I love talking about. And um, so, yeah, I I did have to take some classes before I applied. Yes.
0: Okay. Now tell us the story of becoming self-employed.
1: Okay. So basically when I was at home with my daughters during that whole year, I was a stay-at-home mom. I was thinking I always had that I always had that desire of owning my own business and my husband knew this. He knew that I wanted to own a business and I, you know, and it's a risky thing to do. Um, But he always encouraged me to think like, what can you do with the skill sets you have? And so the whole year I was, you know, brainstorming and thinking and, you know, enjoying my time with them. And then the time came where I'm like, okay, I can't be at home (laughs) anymore. I need to go back to work. (laughs) And so I said, Hmm, what can I do? Because, uh, when you work for a school district, you are tied to those, um, those, um, hours, you know, when you're an employee, I mean, um, you're tied to right. those hours of seven thirty to four or seven thirty to four, w- whatever the hours are. Right. Uh-huh. And yeah. so I was like, what can I do that's more flexible because, or I can do two or three days a week. And so I thought maybe I could just, um, do the psychological service, something that I enjoy and and dictate the scope of work that I do, but just work for myself. And so that's what I did. I went ahead and um, opened up my own business and just started, um, you know, talking to different contacts that I had if they needed, um, you know, some kind of assistance with assessments or consultation or counseling. And Another thing that is in my favor is that I'm bilingual, like I said. So there Mm -hmm. was there's such a great need for a bilingual um, school psychologist.
0: Okay, so you enter into contracts with a variety of districts and provide services that they need like additional help with.
1: Yes. Um, And so, um, yes, that's what I do. And so the last two years I've worked for multiple districts. like maybe four to five districts and um and I was doing it just part time and then I ended up hiring other people to help with doing that other school psychologists as myself that maybe had kids and they just wanted to work two days a week or maybe they just wanted some extra money um and so yeah I um started hiring other people to to do that as well too
0: okay Nice. Well, that's a sign of success. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so looking back on this journey, is there anything that you would change about your transition away from classroom teaching? Anything
1: that I would change? um, I don't think so because I honestly feel that I'm, I'm really happy I did it Um, those three years that I was teaching because it taught me a lot. I mean, there's no lesson like putting yourself in someone's shoes, like actually doing what that person does, like the teachers, actually being in that position to having to teach and do classroom management and differentiated instruction and all the benchmarks and all the documentation you need for IEP. You know, like it's a lot yes uh, So <laughs> later on when I would go to these meetings and I'm having to tell a teacher, well, maybe we can try this intervention. I could see the hesitation, you know, like I'm, and I, you know, and because I know I would tell her, look, I can come in the classroom. I can show you, I can make the materials for you. I will bring them to like anything. Like we just need, we just need to see if this will work with this student. And right. just... I mean, because I know, I know. And so I don't think I would change anything with
0: how how everything has happened. Okay, that's great. And do you have any advice for listeners who themselves are looking to step away from the classroom? Um, yes, I really do think um,
1: it's a fear um, that we... N- that you need to overcome and have a plan of how you're going to execute. Um, because we have an academic year and we have that summertime to kind of, um, you know, we have off. And I know some of us don't really have off. Some of some of the teachers have to get another job, work during the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but during that time, maybe think about how you will transition out and have that plan and just go with it step by step. Um And just, and just you know, do it and see what happens. And if you don't, because I've had other friends that have left the classroom to do other, you know, to pursue other things and it didn't work out, they would just come back. It's always going to be here. Like we're always going to need teachers. And so, um, you know, the position will be there. Um, So it's just a matter of having faith in yourself and getting over the fear.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. And the point you make about, always being able to step back into the classroom if you need to is so true. Like I've done it multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so if listeners are intrigued by your story and maybe they want to learn more about potentially becoming a school psychologist, how can they get in touch with you?
1: Um, they can email me at Elena blog at gmail.com. Um, You can also go to my website, elenabeatrice.com. And on Instagram, you can find me on Instagram. I am sharing things about play and positive behaviors and motherhood, things like that. Um, On Instagram, my handle is by period beatrice.
0: Okay, and I'll have all of this information also in the show notes. If you go to stepawayfromtheclassroom.com and click on Episodes, you'll be able to find it there. Okay, well, this has been so informative. Thank you so much for being here with me today, and I wish you the best of luck going forward. Thank you so much, Lindsay. All right, take care. You too. Thank you. Big thanks to Gus Detar for our theme music. You can find him at dtarmusic.com. If you know a teacher who has successfully transitioned to a new career, you can contact me at hello at stepawayfromtheclassroom.com. They may just end up as a guest on the show. And I'd like to connect with you too. I would love to hear where you are in your teaching journey and where you think you'd like to end up one day. You can leverage your classroom teaching skills to reimagine your work life and make it extraordinary. Let's get you to where you'd like to be. If this episode has been valuable to you, consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a rating and review. Doing so will help other teachers find the podcast as well. And who knows, they may just find their perfect path that will help them step away from the classroom too.